0: The Links and Locks podcast. 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 Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yeah. dinner. Time. Four.
1: You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, Action Network's golf betting podcast, presented by Bet Three Six Five. I'm Roberto Arguello, your host, and I'm joined here as I am every Wednesday by my co-hosts, Spencer Aguiar, that's at T-Off Sports on Twitter, and Nick Brettwish, at Sticks Picks on Twitter, that's Sticks with an X. This week, we're going to be previewing the American Express, and this is an interesting tournament because there are three different courses that they play at, including PGA West Stadium course, where they'll play two rounds. It should be a fun one. It's not everyone's favorite tournament, but we're going to get into it very quickly. Guys, give me your best bets. Just tell me what your bets are right now and we'll get into why they're your best bets later on as we go through our cards. Spencer, let's start with you.
2: So my best bet this week, I'm going back to the head-to-head market. It's going to be Siwoo Kim plus 100 over Andrew Putnam.
1: All right. He's riding that Siwoo wave. What about you,
0: Nick? I'm going to go with Mr. Pete Dye himself. Jason Day, top 40,
1: plus 125. All right. I like the Jason Day. I like the Siwoo Kim. I'm going to go with my guy, Carl Yuan, top 40, at plus 175 on bet365 we'll get into these picks in a little bit but first let's go through the course preview we've got three courses on tap this week spencer and what are you valuing more than other things this week
2: it's a tough tournament as you said it's a three course rotation all come in at under 7200 yards and feature a par 72 build and Poa Triviala screens the best way I can describe that would be the Bermuda surface is dormant this time of year, and they overseed the courses with a minimal grain texture that produces these carpet like surfaces that roll very smoothly. We aren't going to have them as slow as some weeks, but there's probably a reason Rom has voiced his displeasure in the past about this being a putting contest. The stadium course will have water that comes into play on nine holes, and extensive bunkering can make finding fairways imperative, especially when you realize that locating the short grass here produces around the highest birdie percentages on tour yearly. But with all of that being said, it's a weird tournament that allows everyone 54 holes of golf before providing a Saturday cut. Add that to the param nature to these rounds and lack of stat tracker on any course that isn't the stadium, And you can quickly get these long drawn out days that feel like they take forever. You know, you kind of talked about this, Roberto, but unfortunately it's probably not the best tournament from a betting perspective for all the reasons that I mentioned. I likely won't be finding myself with much exposure on other days after everything begins, just because of the lack of stat tracker that we have at two of the courses. But I guess that's a bridge we can cross later in the week. Maybe we can find one of the venues playing exponentially easier than the rest and find value that way. But you're going to kind of have to trust your pre-tournament model that you run. And while I always trust my numbers at the end of the day, from an in-tournament perspective, I really use the in-tournament numbers with the way I filtered in throughout the week. So not having that, or at least not having it at two of the venues is going to make this more complex of a betting week.
1: Nick, anything else to add there that you're looking at?
0: Honestly, I'd echo everything Spencer says. I think he does the best, one of the best course breakdowns in the industry. Um, when I was going through the numbers and trying to build out my handicapping system for the week, like Spencer said, I think it's a it's not a great week to bet, especially when there's three different tournaments and those or three different venues, and the lack of shot tracker obviously hurts too. Um, Just the winners have done it in so many different ways. There's no like true makeup of what wins here. So what I really found is a common denominator is I I think guys have a lot more success, not in terms of just winning, but placing, you know, top 30, top 40 stuff that I look for in the betting market is distance off the tee and accuracy off the tee. There's a ton of bunkers. And the par fives you really want to get after, they're not actually like some of these courses are short, but the par fives are a little bit longer here. So I want guys that are just long elite ball strikers. And obviously putting is going to come into it. We, we all know about John Rahman, what he said here, like, I, but I look at putting every single week, like you have to make putts to win a tournament. You have to make putts to make cuts. Um, I guess that's a nice little, little rhyme there. I should trademark that one. But yeah, I want long elite ball strikers
1: and guys that have success on Pete Dye courses. I'll echo all those thoughts. I wanted longer guys and the peak die courses are kind of weird because you can miss fairways and not every missed fairway is equal because sometimes you'll miss it in the water or you'll miss it in a bad bunker and you're just kind of in a hard place, but other times you miss it in the rough some places and it's going to be okay. Uh, we mentioned this is a pro am tournament, so the rough is not going to be super penal because they don't want these amateurs playing six hour rounds. So if you're in the rough in certain spots, it's much less penal than some other misses. So you've really got to kind of know where to miss. And from experience, playing Dye courses can be pretty squirrely. Um, he tr- was tasked with designing this course and making it the hardest course in the world at the time. And it was really tough. And tour players did not like it back when he built it, I think in the 80s or the 90s. And then they stopped playing the tournament at this course, but then with the advances in technology that have been completely game changers on the PGA tour, it's become a much easier course and it's not incredibly long. A lot of times there'll be something visually very challenging, like a water hazard on one side or penalty area on one side. And then you think you can bail out on the right side, but that's not really a good bailout spot either. And you've just got to take your shot. You've got to shoot your shot and you've got to hit the fairway on some holes and there's really not a great spot to miss. That's why I think a lot of the Pete Dye influence and Pete Dye results on other courses is very important and is very important this week. Go ahead, Spencer.
2: No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think you what you said rings true in all facets of how you mentioned it. It's a positional golf course, but on top of it, one of the things that I added in my model was aggression. So that's players that on the short par fours, on the par fives, they're going to be more inclined to go for the greens um, you know, in less amount of shots than the rest of the field. I think that's a way where distance can come into play, which what Nick was talking about there, like find me the player that is going to try to win this golf tournament. We know that you need to produce birdies to win here. Yes, there are jarring mistakes that you can make. There's tournament ending errors that if you go in the water or you make the wrong decision, you can end up losing the golf tournament, but at least find me the guy who's trying to win the event. So One of the things I added in my model was aggression this week, and and I think it's a really good filter to kind of weed out the players that are on Sunday not going to necessarily go for it when push comes to shove.
1: I completely agree. Uh, Spencer, let's get into our outright card. Break down all your outright picks and let us know why you're on them.
2: So when the prices initially got released on Monday morning, the first thing I noticed was that we had the highest hold percentage we have received in almost a year. That isn't great for us as betters, but like all weeks, it's going to be vital that we shop around to get the best number possible. I'm going to keep saying this on every single show that we do together until something changes in my model. It doesn't mean that I'm going here this week, like I have on some other ones, but Scotty Scheffler continues to show as an eight to one golfer in any field that he tees it up for. Uh, As I said, I couldn't get myself to do it for what feels like, I don't know. I mean, it might be the fourth straight tournament if I did go that route, but He was one of only a few names that graded as a positive long-term value at their opening price. Obviously, I'd be lying if I said he wasn't going to cause some problems for me mentally if he wins this tournament and I'm not on him (laughs) after all these times of backing him and my model likes him again. And maybe he specifically is the answer I'm talking about uh, on a Thursday night ad. Like, I'm going to see where that price drops to now. The problem is Sheffield never falls as far as you think he's going to. So I don't know if I'm going to necessarily find myself there, but it's at least something to keep in mind. The same could probably be said for Xander Shoffley. When his number opened at 25 to one, he fell to the 20 to one range. I didn't end up taking it. I, you know, I think part of that rebate came into play because of the concerns around his back, but I am going to give two plays on here. I'm going to save the rest for my rotoballer article this week, but I will start with Taylor Pendrith at hundred to one. I, uh, that is, at a couple books if you search around this week but it's a much more challenging field than what we got at the sony open last weekend but my model did highlight similar win equity movements for pendrith as it showed for kim one of the important things when building my model as i said was to locate golfers that were aggressive on the short par fours and all the par fives, since those are generally going to be the holes that provide the best opportunity to score he ranks second for me that in that category for aggression it shouldn't hurt that the weight of proximity ended up grading 24 spots, better than expected for this track versus a standard test on tour. And so if you add all that together and you're telling me that he's the number one golfer in this field off the tee over his last 24 rounds, he's projecting, you know, over 20 spots higher with his irons, which sometimes can be a problem for him. And then he should get rewarded for his aggression. That felt like an excellent upside option to target at a price that should have been closer to 50 to one in my model. And then I'm going to bite on a wager that's going to, I assume, be very popular, but my model uh, absolutely loved Cameron Davis at 50 to one Davis graded as one of only six golfers to rank inside the top 30 of all six categories that I ran in my model this week that joined Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, Sung J M, and Siwoo Kim. And his combination of placing inside the top 20 for weighted proximity, distance, aggression, GIR percentage out of fairway bunkers and the all important scoring at each par range moved them into this range that thought his metrics showed closer to being a 30 to one golfer than the 50 to one price being offered in the space, you know, for what it's worth, I barely ever run that aggression metric, but it kind of goes back to all the reasons that I said, I-, I think you're going to have to go for this tournament. If you want to win it, you know, Roberto, you mentioned this and I really like the point that you brought up. You might think that you're bailing out in a situation by not going left, when you end up going right and you end up in a worse decision and a worse placement by going that way with it i want golfers that are kind of going to block out everything and just hit their shot and that's kind of where the aggression thing comes in now you might get a sunday implosion but also find me the player that can win the golf tournament on sunday with that and Pendrith and davis were two of the guys specifically that really jumped up my model when trying to find win equity that way
1: i like both of those plays i'll touch on them in a minute nick what are your outright plays this week I'm also on the Pendrith train,
0: and then I got Keith Mitchell 100 to one. I think there's multiple books out there in the legal space that can do that one. Aaron Wise 50 to one. I had to take Jason Day, Mr. Pete Dye 70 to one, and then I did get a little chalky. Usually, uh, too short of a number for me to bet, but I like Tony Fee now for the exact reasons you guys just kind of talked about. Taylor Pendrith, I think he checks all those boxes and has higher win equity, but obviously his price reflects that. 15 to one. For Tony Finau, and then one bomb, I guess if you want to call it that, Taylor Moore three hundred to one had to get it out there. I love that
2: guy. Can can I make a really bold prediction, really fast? Go for it, please. So I'm gonna say I don't know if it starts this week. I'm gonna say Tony Finau before this year is finished ends up becoming the number one golfer in the world.
0: Wow, that's bold. John Rahm's on a mission right now. I don't know about that. Rory, I, I don't think Rory keeps it that long. I just don't think he's gonna play as much, but. I don't know. John Rahm seems mad at the world and um, he keeps opening at six and one at every tournament. It's kind of tough to, uh, I don't know. And he's, oh, he's finished mad at two. this
2: course. Yeah. He's mad at
0: this course. He's got
1: aggression. I don't know if that's the aggression you're you're talking about, but yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> so for Tony, I don't know. If if John Rahm wins this week, what's his number going to be next week at open for Troy Pines?
2: Oh man. <laughs> four to one. Yeah. I mean, probably, probably. Minus minus so. <laughs> He'll probably be four and a half to one or five to one. Um, if you I have
0: that actually I did break down that tournament yeah I have him at eight to one so sportsbooks and their whole percentage like yeah four four and a half makes sense yeah what would you, what number would you need to see to bet him next week eight I to won't one and no I won't bet anybody sub 10 just sacrilegious for me but yeah no it I'd like... maybe 10 to one
2: it's like the Scheffler thing that I kind of keep looking at, cause Scheffler continues to be a guy that's eight to one for me, and I consider him at that eleven to one mark. So I guess I'll give a very similar answer, like somewhere between ten to eleven. But I mean, unfortunately, unless something horrible happens to Rom, which he probably then won't play the tournament, he's not going to be sub I mean, he's probably gonna be seven to one next week or six to one again.
0: Yeah, so at that point, like, wouldn't you just, uh, like, it happened in a century. It, obviously, you got a ridiculous circumstance, but wouldn't you just wait live? Like, it's not like he's going to come out of the gate and have a five-stroke lead and just go wire to wire. Like, that. the odds of that happening in golf are just slim yeah. to none. Like, wouldn't you just wait? It, like, it, if, his, if he opens at 6-1, to one, let's say, that's probably a safe number. Wouldn't you just wait live and, and get, like, an 8, a ten, Like, if you're on ROM, you, like, your expected value has to go up significantly if you just wait.
2: Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is, is is I don't know where it can actually go to just because he's yeah. so good on that course. Like, even if he starts slowly, what are they real like realistically going to drop him to? I'm going to say this. I could see next week being the ROM versus Finau duel, and maybe the winner of that all of a sudden gets that head start to being the number one player in the world. But I've always said... Finau is going to win, and I'm I'm getting off a tangent right now, but I've always said Tony Finau is going to win at the Farmer's Insurance Open at some point in his career. This might be the perfect opportunity. We'll talk about that more next week. I'm very interested to see where his number will be for that event.
1: Well, hopefully he doesn't ruin your number next week, but if he does, at least Nick will be on him. Yeah. I really like Finau this week, but <laughs> after going up the board last week, I'm not going to be treading those waters anytime soon again. We'll get into that later, but I love you guys, your picks. I've got a lot of commonalities in them. First, I've got Jason day, 7,000 uh, plus 7,000. So 70 to one. Uh, we know about how he does on <laughs> these Pete die courses. Uh, he's he won the PGA championship in 2015 at whistling Straits. He won the match play at Austin country club, and he won the players championship at, at sawgrass. And additionally, there's also a Jack Nicholas course in rotation this week. And he also has a win at the 2015 RBC Canadian Open, which was a Nicholas course. So I like that. We know it's a by low spot. If you listen to this podcast, you know that we're pretty bullish on him uh, as he recovered from that back injury. We think he's back. First start since the RSM Classic in November. And before that one, he was rapidly improving on approach. So I'm bullish on him. I don't know that we're going to see 70 to 1 if he does well this week again. Then I'm on KH Lee. He's another guy who's strong on approach from all distances. Uh, we know you got to be strong from 150 to 175 this week. you got to be strong inside of 100 yards, and you also got to be strong outside of 225 on those long par fives. Uh, So I liked his overall um, accuracy on approach. And then he's got momentum. T7 at Century Tournament of Champions, T28 at the Sony Open. I think he's doing pretty well overall with this game. It's in good form. Third on strokes gained approach last year at this tournament, but he had one of his worst ever rounds as far as driving accuracy goes. So hopefully he can get that straightened out as his form has been a little bit better and it'll work out for him this week. Then I'm going with Sahith Tigala at 55 to one out there. He's got some putting upside, which I like. Um, and he's also 56 and birdie or better last year. He's a Pepperdine alum, so he's familiar with desert golf. And we know he did pretty well at the WM, WM Open last year when he nearly won. I'm also going with Cam Davis as Spencer is. And then Davis Rally, 100 to one. Number play for me, 18th and birdie or better last year. I think he should be closer to around 60 to one. Another guy with a lot of length, doesn't have a ton of weaknesses, runs really hot and cold, but he hasn't played since November. And I've got Taylor Penderth as well. Same number, a lot of the same uh, handicap for both of them. I think they both have potential spike weeks on approach and putting, and we haven't seen their form, so we don't know. But at 100 to one, I'll take a shot on both of them this week instead of one of them in a normal week, at what I think they should be priced around 50 or 60 to one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think just like on the cage Lee train, he seems to be trending in the right direction right now. And I run my numbers through a longer duration of time. So I don't necessarily see some of that come to fruition like this week of doing it. But you see him moving in all the sharp markets with with the traction. You saw it last week. You see it a little bit again this week. And then I just want to point it out. I feel like an evil genius right now where you guys as my friends are doing all my dirty work with Jason day after years of me touting him over and over (laughs) again for every single event. Like I just sit back and reap all the benefits of it.
0: The process Mm -hmm. is happening. I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but I'm a J day guy.
2: (laughs) You talk to me long enough. All of a sudden I push everybody in that direction. Either you block me or you come (laughs) on the train with me.
1: We're all aboard the Jason day train. But before we get to any more picks, as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. Guys, now that we've gone through our outright card, what matchups are we betting this week?
2: Yeah, so I'll go to the the bet of the week that I'm doing, and it's going to be Siwoo Kim plus 100 over Andrew Putnam, as I said at the beginning. And... It's one of those spots where course history and current form are both propelling a golfer up the odds board, but at what point do we say enough is enough when it comes to the range a golfer is entering, especially in Putnam's case when there's a handful of red flags that you can find in my model. So I'm not a course history person, but the three-course rotational aspect of the American Express places the venue outside the top 35 on tour when it comes to rollover predictability. So while the five straight top 35 finishes here will show well when importing it into my model, it feels like one of those situations where books are overinflating the category, since it's hard to find much wrongdoing with his past at these properties, you know, not to mention that his current form of 13 consecutive made cuts on tour continues this trend of safety, at least of what's being pumped out in the space. So You know, now I don't want to make it sound like safety doesn't matter or isn't present here. He does jump inside the top 25 of my mall when running it for a flatter build. But, you know, Nick and I talked about this a little bit when we were talking about a David Lipsky, Alex Smalley bet where both of us kind of like Smalley. But I think this abnormal 54 hole cut does skew the data a little bit and turns this more into a no cut feel over anything else. So for me, that makes me more willing to shoot for upside on my head to head wagers this week. That's something that Putnam doesn't have whatsoever in the onslaught of negative marks on my sheet. He ranks 126 for weighted par five scoring. I think that's a massive indicator that he might find himself hovering around the cut line. Don't necessarily think he's going to miss, but I think it's a heightened cut chance that he misses the cut, maybe from what some people think. Uh, He's 87 for weighted total driving. And then the real eye popper for me is the 121st mark when we took the three main proximity zones of under 100 yards, over 200 yards, and between 150 to 175 yards. I would say my one concern here is that he does experience some positive trajectory when you add in the Nicholas and LaQuinta courses. Uh, I'm a believer that if he had to play four days at the stadium venue, that his current metrics probably would fall apart at some point, but... Even with the guaranteed one round and potential for two, there's enough water and danger that I do think he slips because of those metrics I just listed. And it's funny because Siwoo Kim seems to be experiencing the opposite here where Putnam's getting all the credit for everything that he's done. Well, Siwoo Kim just won a golf tournament. And all I have read in the space is, oh, well, Siwoo Kim doesn't perform well after he wins a golf tournament. He doesn't perform well after he gets a top 10 finish. I mean, look, we're looking at like four or five tournaments here. Like we're talking about four victories that he's had and a handful of top tens to where he could have been going to a bad tournament the next week. It may not have been a course that fit his eye. I I think that these two courses in general are two events. I mean, there's a reason why he's won this in the past, but um, I don't know. I mean, my model had this closer to minus 130. I had 30 points of value at the plus 100 numbers, so Give me Siwoo Kim in a spot to where I wouldn't be surprised if he bounces back with another top 10 finish. And I'm not going to predict that Putnam misses the cut. My model is not even predicting that to be the case, but I wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being like a 53rd place finish for him. And it just ends up being a disappointment And You know, we win this with relativities. If Siwoo can do what I'm hoping he does.
1: And Spencer, I think that a lot of people had this week circled as the week for Siwoo Kim to yes. really flourish. And just because he won last week, a lot of people are skeptical. So I like the play at plus money there. I think I'm going to have to join you on that one.
2: Yeah. He's sixth in my model. And it's, that really has nothing to do with him winning the event last week. Like, yes, I run it through a one year duration to where I include the 2022 stats and the 2023 stats, but didn't gain so many strokes, like it's such a small percentage of the weight that I'm putting into it from that one golf tournament, or even this year in general, from the couple of events that we've had, Like there's a reason why he's found success on this course repeatedly, even outside of the victory. And as you said, Roberto, this was the week that a lot of people were pegging him to make a run. So now if everybody wants to get off of him, whether that be for gambling or DFS or whatever we want to talk about, I'm going to jump in, in those moments where everybody's running the other way.
1: Nick, do you have any matchups
0: this week? Yeah, we love to talk about form, but if they win, form doesn't matter apparently yeah. in the in, in the industry. But yeah, I, I love CWIT too. So I have one matchup. Don't love it. I would not have bet it if it was a two-day cut just with the uh, the volatility of the player. I'm going to back again this week who let me down last week. I'm going to go Alex Smalley over David Lipsky. I believe that's minus 110 pretty much exclusively or not exclusively anywhere, I should say. Book agnostic. Um, I like the proximities for Smallie more. He's significantly longer off the tee. He doesn't take a big hit in terms of accuracy, like Lipski is a fairway finder. That's fine. But like we talked about earlier, I think we all want longer hitters on this tournament. um Good putter. Uh, did finish 25th here last week and is relatively good on die courses, if I want to say based on the sample size. It's okay, I guess. Nothing special. But same with Lipski. Lipski just, is a better golfer, in my opinion. Overall, I would have had this. More at minus one forty for Alex Smalley, so right around thirty points of value, which is pretty much always a number grab for me. So I'm gonna go Alex Smalley over Lipsky, simply because we get a third day of golf for free. So the volatility of Smalley is hindered a little bit there.
2: Can I add one more thing to that? Go Please. For it. So yes, I mean we'll be book agnostic here, but there are prices in the space where he is closer to that minus one forty number that Nick mm-hmm. finds proper. So. I tend to, maybe I'm not that aggressive to where I would say minus 140 is the proper number, but I don't know. I mean, to me, my model seems to think minus 125, minus 130. So, regardless of the situation, it's a mispricing at a minus 110 number. And uh, I wasn't going to add it, but I think, Nick, you talked me into it just based off of the extra round. Pod play.
0: Games. We got a live pod play. That's yep. our favorite. <laughs> All right.
1: I'm going to transition that because I don't have any matchups this week, but I do have a bet on Alex Smalley. I bet, uh, unit for him to go top 20 at four to one. And I also bet 0.2 units for him uh, at 230 for a top 30 finish. And I like him for all the reasons that Nick said. And I think it's a buy low spot for him as he had his worst driving accuracy week in the calendar year last week at the Sony. And he still was strong on approach. And I think that's going to play this week. I wanted to buy more on the upside than on a matchup play there. Uh, I also considered a different matchup play. I considered Cameron Young over Will's Out Torres, but I ended up instead choosing to go Will's Out torres to finish 24th or worse. And that's because I just don't know about his back health. I think he's healthy enough to play. I mean, he's healthy enough to play, obviously, as he played in the Tournament of Champions a couple weeks ago. But digging in, I think he had a solid week overall as far as where he finished on the leaderboard. However, looking at the approach data was somewhat surprising because he lost strokes on approach and in 20 track tournaments last year, he only lost strokes on approach one time. So that was surprising for me because not only does he normally gain strokes, he gains strokes significantly. And I'm just going to take a shot on fading him this week, 24th or worse. Didn't want to have to play him against anybody, but rather play him against the entire field. It's tough to beat 120 players on the PGA tour in any given week. And if he doesn't have his fastball, which is his approach play, I'm not buying his putting as being able to carry him on any given week, especially in a putting contest, quote unquote this week. So I'll fade him at 24th or worse. I thought about playing him outright. Had he been in health this week? Had he been healthy this week? Because he looked really good last year at this tournament and nearly won, or not nearly won, but he was one of the best players on approach. And on a peak die course, I think his game plays when he's at full strength, but I'm just not quite buying that yet. So I'll fade him. And then I'll go with my last play, which is my best bet of the week, and that's Carl Yuan top 40 plus plus 175, which you can find on bet 365. I bet that 0.2 units to get to win 0.35. And I also sprinkled a tenth of a unit on him to finish in the top 20 at plus 475. And Yuan's a guy that I'm bullish on. He was the Corn Fairy Tour points leader last year. He's got a really funny swing. You can look up his swing on YouTube and there are articles on it where he practices shanking the ball on the driving range. So maybe don't try that one at home, but he's got three consecutive top 39 finishes on the tour. And that's after he played absolutely terrible at the beginning of his PGA tour career, his first three cuts or his first three events in the fall, he didn't make the cut and he wasn't particularly close either. And some of his really poor numbers from those tournaments were kind of skewing him downwards but he's got length off the tee incredible length off the tee and he's got above average approach play from all distances all distances and even though he's played so poorly relatively scoring wise he's still been solid on approach he had a win in two second place two solo second place finishes on the on the Corn Ferry Tour last year also had another tie for second so he's just, just a guy i think has more upside than the current pricing across the market so i bet him top 20 top 40 i also sprinkled i also sprinkled him to win outright don't necessarily know that you should tail that, but I got him at two fifty to one. I
2: mean, it's it's a young player on tour where I regress some of his numbers backwards because I didn't know exactly what to expect. So if I just ran like the actual numbers that he's produced this season, which would be so far and above what should be accurate in certain spots, like no golfer would be producing some of those numbers over the course of the year. You know, he graded as a top fifteen type player for me. Now, when I regress some of those numbers back. He was right around the 40th range. I mean, I do think he's an interesting top 40 candidate to where, you know, all these corn fairy guys coming in. If you're telling me that some of them can get hot here. I mean, he's certainly one of those guys that I think can do it. So I don't have a problem there. And, And just before we move on from this section and we get out of the head to heads that we're talking about, we'll do another live bet very quickly on here that caught my eye. I didn't end up going in that direction with it. Maybe you guys can talk me in or out of it with it. And I think Nick will know which way I like based off of conversations we've had. Do you guys have any feel on a Brian Harmon versus Sam Burns matchup at, I mean, the best I can see, which we can talk about juice on it. It's minus 115 both ways on it. Uh, so that'd be Harmon versus Burns. Do either of you have an opinion?
0: I would, I'm staying away. Burns is great. on am Pete Dye courses. I know it like no book like some, the market hates him this week. The market hated Kim last week too, so for it did. hate that for what's for. I I like Sam Burns. I wouldn't bet that just because Harmon is like okay, one of the safest golfers in in the field, in my opinion. Uh, and he's obviously a Pete Dye star too. So I I don't know. I just feel like I f- would feel wrong taking Brian Harmon against a <laughs> well known name at minus one fifteen. Like I'll take Brian Harmon if he's plus one twenty there or something like that. Sure, but I'm not laying juice with Brian Harmon in anything.
2: My model for whatever it's worth thinks that Brian Harmon should be the favorite in that matchup. And it thinks, and not by much like it, when we're talking, there wasn't enough value for me to punch the ticket. It was more in like the minus minus one twenty five range for what I had proper, but I don't know. My numbers just did not like Sam Burns this weekend. It didn't like dislike him enough. Like when we look at Putnam and Lipsky, since those are two plays that now I'm on, uh, they were guys that I was trying to find a reason to fade. Well, I'm looking for a reason the fade burns. I think your point of doing it with Brian Harmon isn't necessarily the most appealing. Right. I, I, I wish mean, he that kills we-
0: it here. Like Harmon's history is amazing here. Like there's no doubt about that. But yeah, just to pick on Sam Burns with Brian Harmon just feels. Eh.
2: Uh, Roberto, I'd like to get your answer on this, but I'll just say very quickly: 31 consecutive rounds for Brian Harmon on tour, shooting par or better. That's incredible. Nice, nice save. Yeah, it's safety of the play, but maybe you lose some of that safety with this being a 54-hole tournament. Like, There we go. That might be the problem.
1: I don't hate Harmon on this one. And if you look at Sam Burns' approach numbers, he's lost strokes on approach in five of his last six track tournaments. And the one that he did gain strokes was very minimal. The putters really just kept him alive. And at the Century Tournament of Champions, if he wasn't in the top five putting, I think he was like top two putting for the first three days and then didn't have a great Sunday, he would have been nearly DFL in that one. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's a good, nice spot to try and sell burns, but I don't know that Harmon's the way to do it. I don't hate it. I like, I don't want to bet on Brian Harmon to win a golf tournament. So I'd like him in some way as a safe option here. I don't love the minus minus one ten price. If you can get me at, at even money, I think I'd press, I'd press the button.
2: Yeah. I, I think all of that's fair. And and I'm probably not going to go down that direction just because I only had 10 points of value to begin with, but I guess I'll use that as my honorable mention uh, if there was a third play I was going to grab.
1: It's really intriguing. I don't know that we've seen that matchup before on tour or how often we'll see it or which tournaments we'll see it, but that's a really interesting thought exercise for sure. The market hates Burns, but yeah, like I think you said
0: it best, Spencer, at 54 hole cut instead of a 36 hole cut, like it would not surprise me if Sam Burns throws a a seven or eight under in one of these rounds Friday or Saturday or Thursday or Friday.
2: It would be contradictory of what I said of trying to treat this tournament as a no-cut approach with there only being 54 holes and then, or a 54-hole cut, and then playing Burns who very well might catch fire with the putter. Like, yes, we can say that the putter is what's holding him on, but these are very pure greens. They roll smoothly. There's really, I mean, it's carpet-like feel to where, not the speed of it, like they're actually like, it's a smooth rolling putt to where everything's perfect on it. So, uh, I mean, m- maybe that propels, burns up further than what my model believes with it, but he was one of the outliers for me when we're looking at this board in general, like, I mean, he's 29th overall for me, which is one of the worst equity finds I can find on the board, but maybe the better answer is, is trying to take him on in an tournament wager. If we can find something on one of these days.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way to go about it. And I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled, especially seeing, how his approach looks, his approach numbers look. Uh, Unfortunately, we're only going to get one of the first three days of track data for that.
2: That's what makes it tough, yeah. Yeah,
1: we can look at greens and regulation, I guess, otherwise. But uh, we'll have to dig into that at least. Guys, any final plays before we get out of here?
2: I will add one more play here. So I feel like this has been, you know, we can say Jason Day is like the poster child of this show. But I really feel like between the three of us, it's been Harris English. We have talked about him a lot uh, in different iterations of how we want to play him and what we think is proper. This is going to be the week that I jump into the mix. So I'm going to take Harris English to come top 40 at plus 160. He ranks eighth in my model from the three critical proximity buckets this week. So that'd be under 100 yards, uh, over 200 yards in between 150 to 175. He's also second place from if we only look at from the under 100 yards mark of it. And then you add in the mixture of good drive percentage, uh, par five scoring. I think those two totals are, are reasons why he pushes up even higher. Like that moves him inside the top 25 in any iteration of how you want to run him in my model. I mean, he's really inside the top 20 in any iteration based off of that. But uh, plus 160, I thought was a good number on a golfer that we always said if the irons start turning around or if we get a course where the irons are suited for him, that's going to be where he starts finding success again. And for me, this feels like the track where Harris English can use some of those strengths to his advantage.
1: I'm still not quite there on the approach numbers and the lack of driving distance makes me a little bit hesitant here as well. Also doesn't have great Pete die.
2: Markets hate re- him. So they're with you on this. Like I, yeah. I haven't seen much positive movement for him.
1: If we get a solid result out of him this week, I'm going to be very intrigued looking forward and playing him, but I'm out this week on him. I think last week as well, I was looking at live odds throughout the tournament as I often often do. And he got up there in the top five in the live markets at some points last week, which I thought was very surprising. And also just shows how crazy that tournament was last week at different times um, and Friday and Saturday, especially, but yeah, I'm out on Harris English for now, but he's someone I'm monitoring in that Jason day vein, where he's a guy who is a winner, a proven winner who when he gets his fastball back, I'm going to be on, but I'm just not sure when that is.
2: You could maybe make an argument based off of everything that you just said that if you were going to play him, the more ideal way to do it would be a top, I don't know, 10 or 20 bet, because then you shoot for the maximum upside. Because mm-hmm. I do agree that there are some concerns on the back end with it. It's not the cleanest profile in the world, even if he is ranking inside the top 20 for me in a lot of the iterations of how I'm running it. But I don't know. I'm going to try to jump the market here on this one just because. Look, he's not a player. Like I, I've been fading him every single week in, in, in tournament matchups. I've been trying to find reasons to take him on. And for the first time in a really long time, my model found a reason why it wants to play him. So that meant something to me. Like he was one of him and Pendrith were really the two massive outliers that I had in this tournament, whether you're looking for win equity or you know, mispricing at the prices that they were. And as I said, you can talk about English going in the wrong direction at a lot of these books and being underdogs in some of these matchups, but I don't know. It's like, you know, Tim, it's, it's Ricky Fowler. It's like some of these guys where I think actually have realistic chance to find success here. And the market is still trying to price them as somebody that more of what they were a year ago or, you know, like in in English's case, more of what he was when he got hurt during that time period versus what he was at this time last year.
1: Yeah. I was looking through data golf's model for this week and looking at their odds and their projected odds in the EV and Pendrith is the top one, one of these books that will remain unnamed. So that one caught my eye immediately. And so I got that hundred to one as well. Yeah. I'm going to be very interested to see how English does this week and you can get him for 750 on bet three, six, five for a top 10 this week.
2: I think it's intriguing. Like obviously I'm stuck and locked into this top 40 route right now. And I don't know if I'm going to necessarily go that way with it, but that might be like the more beneficial way to play. This is just shoot for the maximum upside because one, you're either going to get the old version of what we've gotten with Harris English and he might miss the cut or two things come together. Like my model believes and all of a sudden you have a, top 20 type player potentially a top 10 play here
1: yeah and after missing a bunch of cuts last year he's got i think seven straight made cuts so that's at least a sign of some progress even if he hasn't gotten a top 20 finish quite yet among that span yep guys any other final plays before we do our wrap up from last week i'll give you two top 40 long shots here i'm
0: gonna go taylor Moore, top 40 you can get a plus 240 number out there and then uh you got your boy, Karo Yuan. I'm digging this guy, Taiga Semikawa, top 40, plus 420, number one amateur in the world. He's plenty long off the tee. The approach data from last week is kind of hit or miss. It seems like he can go absolutely elite or just go ice cold. I hope he gets uh, elite iron numbers this week. But plus 420 for that, I'll, I'll take 4-1 to one on uh, someone who kind of passed my eye test a little. I did see of him last weekend, but
1: I'm uh, I'm going to buy the pedigree and his name's Taiga, so let's go. <laughs> That's intriguing. He doesn't have a ton of data, so I'm going to be interested in how he does. The dude goes. just, the guy wins. I mean, he's won two events. on It's on the Japan Tour, but that, plenty
0: of good golfers that come from there, and he was in college when he won. So just it's kind of like the reason, like it was before we were on the show, but we were uh, kind of talking about the success of Tom Kim going into the Scottish Open, and obviously he was great at, uh it was a u.s open right that he was what he finished top 20 did he i should know this i'm sorry real quick i gotta gotta figure this out it's it's open he
1: finished 23rd
0: yeah and then then he went to the scottish open right after that right and he finished third yeah so He's it's third. like he, all if you look at time Kim part of like all this dude did anywhere he went was you know top 10 at, and Tiger Semikawa does that so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll the dice here that we may be onto something with a uh Really good just overall player and
1: long ball striker on the uh, Japan tour here. Pretty crazy to think that someone like Tom Kim was playing on the Japanese tour and just the Asian tour events a calendar year ago. And then last week, he's number one on the board at the Sony Open. And with that, we'll transition to our Sony Open wrap up. I was dumb enough to place Tom Kim last week at the top of the board. And really, I was confident after three holes. He was two under after three and then... Uh, the wheels kind of and then six footers came and, and yeah it's, came and went. Tough week to have his worst putting week on the tour ever. I didn't hate it. I just think the regression monster was due to come, and unfortunately, it flapped him across the face last week. That didn't work out for me. Um, other than that, I had some up and downs. Basically, treaded water. Didn't have much on the Hubbard top ten plus twelve hundred. Russell Knox top twenty as well uh think around 400 those both missed for minus 0.1 units and then my fades were spot on Spencer you hit it on this one Kurt Kiyama, I think it was 44th ish or worse so I tailed you on that on the pod last week and then I also had my big fade of Hideki Matsuyama 23rd or worse those both went beautifully not a lot of drama Tom Hoagie 27th or better did not did not work for me but overall I ended up down 0.4 units how was y'all's week last week
2: you know, I, I do this for a living and I try not to let anything that happens weekly affect me, but man, missing out on Siwoo Kim was an error that so did not need to occur. My model loved his upside totals when I ran it from a win equity standpoint, uh, something that anyone who uses my model saw with him grading inside the top 10 names of the field for pure upside, but a combination of overinflating my units elsewhere and then stubbornly not adding him at any point throughout the week did lead a very sour taste in my mouth. That's rarely an answer that you hear me give after a tournament since I live and die by my model. But I couldn't help but feel like I left something on the table at that event. On a positive note, I did hit my play of the week of Grayson Sig plus 100 over Robbie Shelton. I feel like that's the fifth or sixth straight episode where I've been able to do that. So, you know, hopefully we can try to extend that streak this week. Um, I gave Brendan Todd out to land in the top 40. I also won that specialty bet on Bet365 think it was to finish 58th or better, I believe is what the number was. All of that would make you think that I had a winning week since anyone who took my card directly from here would have come out ahead. But I don't know, you guys, it's been a really slow start with my in-tournament plays this season. Maybe it can be blamed on regression since I was hitting those at over a 60% rate through over 700 plays. But, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not really that worried. 90% of those in-tournament losses beat the eventual movement by 20 plus points. I do think there's some volatility to begin this season as players get back in the form. It's just a matter of having things normalize again in our favor. So uh, it was back-to-back losing weeks for me, which is never how you want to start a season. But it's also not the first time that this has happened, to where you get this limited data, players coming off of a break, and the numbers aren't exactly where I want them to be. And you know, you're a couple units down before you really know what hit you to start the season. So. I'm hoping that we bounce back at some point. I don't have a ton of action in play. Adding Smalley over Lipski is going to at least bulk up the card more than it was going to be originally with it, uh, along with the Siwoo Kim over Putnam wager that I have. But I don't know. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Farmers next week. That's always been a tournament that I have found some success at. And I think it's just the ebbs and flows of gambling, unfortunately. No matter how much time and research and energy you put into it, there's a human element to this, to where players sometimes don't perform to the metrics that you have on them. And I think that that's kind of what's taken place for me in these in-tournament bets. And, you know, thankfully I wrote an article for Action Network on Saturday night and two of those three, won. And Putnam, who seems to be the bane of my existence right now, ended up making an eight foot birdie putt against KH Lee to win that bet rather than push it. So that swing right there essentially was the difference. If I could have hit that, I would have broken even, but just feels like one too many bad breaks on Sunday or whatever the bet closes to where they just haven't gone my way and you know that's the nature of the beast when you're in this industry
1: variance is always a constraint but in the long term if you keep doing plus ev plays it'll come back and
2: you'll get
1: yours Nick how was your week last week uh
0: terrible besides the i mean it turned out all right plus five uh 5.52 but that was literally all because of spencer's matchup with sig over shelton and then adding siwu came live twice Um nice. he, he was the ha- highest owned player i had in dfs but so was keegan bradley so my week yes. should have been so much better um also was super high on jordan spieth could not imagine him missing the cut and then that happened so um I got lucky with Siwoo Kim, I guess, but uh, it kind of pisses me off that I wasn't there pre-market or pre-tournament, I should say, because that's usually someone I bet often and really good numbers on him last week. And I obviously loved him enough to go extremely heavy at DFS, but betting wise, it it was it was rough, but I've kind of taken it easy to start the year so far and I'll continue to do that probably until the farmers, um, if not, maybe a little more until we get a little more data to kind of to settle in and everybody come
1: back from the November break. Where else can we find you this week?
2: So you can find, I will have an article out tomorrow for Action Network. Um, You know, we'll see exactly where I'm going with it. I haven't made a decision right now. It will not be the head-to-head play that I gave on here, though. It might be a first-round play. might be some overvalued players in the market. It might be some sharp movements. I try to vary that Wednesday piece that I put out for Action Network. You can also find me over at Rotoballer. Uh, We're doing some really great stuff over there this year. Uh, You know, all the numbers that I've talked about and my model, you can get my model over on Rotoballers website. Uh, If you use the code 20 off, you'll get 20% off the purchase price of that. Like my model is what I live and die by every single week. So uh, I, I trust these numbers that I'm putting together, obviously, like as a better and somebody who tries to get better as a better being able to do your own research and use your own numbers is one of the keys to this game like obviously you can listen to shows and you can hear what we say, and we're going to always give you the best information that we can, but it is important that you try to do some math of your own of it. And, you know, have some sort of an, an idea of where you're going to go with it in the week. And uh, I think my model does that very well. So you can find that there. And then, uh, you know, Nick and I do our better golf pod show together, which we're always very proud of. We do a lot of uh, DFS discussion on that show, but uh, if you haven't checked that out, be sure to check that podcast out and you can find me on Twitter at T sports.
1: All right. And with Spencer's model, you can download it. You can play with the weights. You can move stuff around yourself. So it's a great way to get into building your own model. If you don't already do that, Nick, where can we find you this week?
0: Yeah. Just add better golf pod, B E T T O R golf pod. And uh, good luck to everybody this week. So Another good week of football coming up. So until football. And that is kind of where the majority of my time goes to. So it was a fantastic bet a week in the NFL market for
1: me. Um, obviously, again, see was saved the golf card, but the golf card I'm not happy with from last week. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network and Golf Bet team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring Golf Bet's Stacey Sobel and PJ Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top plays for this week's tournament. You can find us all on Twitter. You can find Nick at StyxPix with an X. You can find Spencer at Sports. You can find me at RobertoA213. Thanks again for everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. Thanks. And here's hoping you hit the green this week.
2: Action Network reminds you, please gamble
1: responsibly.